From the great American Pacific Northwest, greetings and welcome, my friends, to this week's edition of the Parachronicle Almanac. I'm Jonathan Hawk. Well, before we get to the news, don't forget to like or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on or pass this podcast on to spread the word about our little show to help us grow. And we're still looking for stories from you, paranormal or otherwise, so give us a call on the Parachronicle hotline at 818-570-0126 if you'd like your story featured on a future episode. That's 818-570-0126. Save it to your contacts. You never know when you might need it. Or you can always email at hawk at theparachronicle.com. That's H-A-W-K-E at theparachronicle.com. And that will send your note right to me. And on that note, let's dive right in. Now, you'll recall a couple of weeks ago that we covered a UFO sighting that occurred in the Outer Banks region of North Carolina. Well, now multiple people have reported seeing an odd string of lights at night near Charlotte, igniting talk of UFOs on social media. Photos shared Saturday on Facebook show what appears to be a string of lights floating over North Carolina's Indian Trail community. The area is in Union County, just southeast of Charlotte. Anyone know what these lights were tonight? A local asked on the What's Up Indian Trail community Facebook page. No sound at all. They flickered like lanterns, but followed the same exact path up until they disappeared, which was odd. My initial thought when I saw the lights was that it was the helicopters in the distance, but as the lights got closer, there was no sound. Then they went straight up into the sky and disappeared. No smoke, no debris, the local said. I couldn't see anything around the light to suggest they were or were not lanterns, but the the light flickered like you'd imagine a lantern would. Stranger still, a trio of lights that glowed blue also showed up in her photos. The resident who lives in Monroe has no explanation for that, though it's possibly a trick of light. They continued on, The blue light I didn't notice until after I took the pictures. In the sky it did not look blue, it looked like a group of lights. I thought it was odd, though, that a few people have seen and photographed that same bluish group of lights. The Facebook group has more than 20,000 members, and a few hundred people have reacted to the post. Several have mentioned UFOs, of course, while others say it could have been flares, lanterns, drones, or even a SpaceX rocket. A growing number say they, too, have seen odd lights at night in Union County, including one person who shared a shaky video of her experience. Yeah, we saw them too. Couldn't figure out what they were, a Charlotte woman posted. They did flicker, but like how big were those lanterns then for us to see it so bright and so clear from so far away? I've seen something like this recently too, another commenter wrote. It was 5 a.m. or so, and they definitely weren't lanterns. The string of lights wasn't there, only the triangle-shaped lights. It hovered, moved slowly, and zero sound. I'm officially creeped out, a Matthews woman added. Same weird lights happened at my friend's home last night. Now, it's worth noting that North Carolina ranks high among states with the most reported UFO sightings, many of them off the Outer Banks, as I mentioned at the top of the story. The Mutual UFO Network reported this month that the state had 15 UFO sightings in December, ranking it number seven among the 50 states. As for other possibilities, Union is among the counties included in unconventional warfare exercises staged by the Special Forces based out of Fort Bragg. Flares are a part of the exercises, the Army says. But the most recent exercises ended December 18th, according to the U.S. Army John F. Kennedy Special Warfare Center. The resident says she braced herself to be criticized for sharing the photos, 
but most commenters have seemed to be genuinely interested in the puzzle. After posting a few jokes about aliens not finding intelligent life here, of course, the resident continued to say, as far as the reaction on social media, I anticipated people commenting being generally annoyed. Union County group sites tend to be brutal. But I posted anyway because that same morning I saw several military-style helicopters fly over in almost the same location. Well, since the resident posted their photos, others living along the East Coast have reported seeing similar lights at night, and they have begun sharing their photos on social media as well. And so North Carolina seems to have become a UFO hotspot over the last little bit. And if you've seen anything, we'd love to hear from you. So reach out on social media or at our email. Now, your home is your sanctuary. It's the place that you should feel warm and fuzzy, cozy and safe even. Well, what happens when things around your home suddenly feel out of place? Food you thought you had was mysteriously gone, lights and TVs turned on that you know you had turned off, doors askew that you know for certain were shut. Is my house haunted, you begin to wonder? Well, a Queensland mom named Monica Green began to notice some odd occurrences around her Rockhampton home, but brushed it off thinking her children had misplaced items and a faulty security camera system. But her suspicions led her to call police after she returned home early from a doctor's appointment to find numerous inexplicable disturbances, leaving her alarmed. Well, Green had come home to find the back door was wide open, the air conditioning and TV on, and a half-cooked plate of chicken nuggets on the oven. When police arrived, they discovered a manhole in her ceiling partially opened. Police also found evidence of a person living in the ceiling. She said, I felt violated. I felt like my personal space had been invaded. I felt shocked, terrified, scared. However, just as unsettling, the person living in the ceiling has yet to be found. Green believes the person gained access to the house after stealing her keys. She, of course, has since changed her locks. The incident has left Green and her family frightened, especially with her husband out of town for work, which is something she probably shouldn't have told the press. Now they're terrified the intruder will return and fears they could have sinister plans. What has this person been doing in my house when I'm not home? Were they trying to harm me or my kids? Did they want one of my kids? Were they going to come down at night and murder us? There's all these unknown questions rolling around my head, she said. I'm finding myself constantly shaking at the smallest noise. I'm triple checking all my locks now before I go to bed. I spent the night in the house last night with family here, but being alone in the home scares me. Now, the act of secretly living in someone's home is not unheard of and has been given the name frogging, beginning with a PH, not an F, because culprits tend to hop from one residence to another. So let that be a lesson to you before you go to bed every night. Don't forget to lock your doors close the curtains, turn off the lights, and check your crawl spaces and attic? I mean, what would you do if you found somebody secretly living in the walls of your house? The drums of war continue to beat louder and louder in the South China Sea this week, as the Financial Times and many other news outlets report that Chinese bombers simulated an attack on a U.S. Navy aircraft carrier in the South China Sea. As the Navy's Theodore Roosevelt Carrier Strike Group sailed into the South China Sea this past Saturday, the Chinese military sent eight H-6K bombers, four J-16 fighter jets, and one Y-8 anti-submarine warfare aircraft flying past Taiwan and into the contested waterway. 
Tracking data indicates the U.S. carrier strike group entered the South China Sea by way of the Bashi Channel as the Chinese fighters flew through Taiwan's air defense identification zone. The next day, an unidentified mainland military analyst told the Chinese state-affiliated and ever-reliable Global Times that the Chinese move may have been a training exercise intended to, quote, boost the PLA's combat capability against U.S. aircraft carriers, as the bombers could practice launching a saturation attack against the U.S. ships. Another analyst told the propaganda mouthpiece that the flights were likely routine operations that had nothing to do with the U.S. vessels nearby. The Financial Times, citing persons familiar with the U.S. and Allied intelligence, reported Friday that the Chinese bombers and fighters simulated an attack on the Theodore Roosevelt Carrier Strike Group. The Chinese bomber pilots were also reportedly overheard confirming naval strike orders and simulating the firing of anti-ship missiles. U.S. Indo-Pacific Command spokesperson Captain Mike Kafka told Insider in an emailed statement that the Theodore Roosevelt Carrier Strike Group closely monitored all People's Liberation Army Navy and Air Force activity and at no time did they pose a threat to U.S. Navy ships, aircraft, or sailors. A defense official said that the Chinese aircraft did not come within 250 miles of the U.S. Navy vessels, putting them outside the estimated range of the YJ-12 anti-ship cruise missiles carried by the H-6K. There was a simulated attack run, though, the official said. Kafka said in the Indopatcom statement, The PLA activities highlighted here are the latest in a string of aggressive and destabilizing actions. The spokesman said that these actions reflect a continued PLA attempt to use its military as a tool to intimidate or coerce those operating in international waters and airspace, to include their neighbors and those with competing territorial claims, adding that the United States will continue to fly, sail, and operate wherever international law allows, demonstrating resolve through our operational presence throughout the region. The U.S. Navy said in a statement last Sunday that the Theodore Roosevelt Carrier Strike Group is on a routine deployment to the U.S. 7th Fleet Area of Responsibility to conduct maritime security operations. China objects to the regular presence of the U.S. military in the South China Sea, even though it has operated in the area for decades. Quote, it does no good to regional peace and stability for the United States to frequently send military vessels and aircraft to the South China Sea to show off its muscles, China Ministry of Foreign Affairs spokesman Zhao Lijian said during a press briefing Monday. The latest developments in the South China Sea highlight the challenges the new Biden administration will face as it deals with Beijing and China's growing military power. The new administration and China have already traded jabs over Taiwan. During Monday's press briefing, Zhao told the U.S. to refrain from sending any wrong signals to the Taiwan Independence Forces so as to avoid damaging China-U.S. relations and peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait after the U.S. State Department criticized China's efforts to militarily, economically, and diplomatically pressure Taiwan. Chinese Minister of Defense spokesman Wu Qian said Thursday that Chinese military activities near Taiwan are necessary and warned that it would mean war if Taiwan pursued independence from China. While speaking at the first Department of Defense press briefing of the Biden administration, Pentagon spokesman John Kirby reaffirmed U.S. support for Taiwan's defense, but said that tensions need not lead to anything like confrontation. Now, keep in context with this story that Chinese military aircraft have entered Taiwanese airspace numerous days thus far this year, not to mention roughly 380 incursions last year, the most since 1996. And if you have a chance, uh, follow Aircraft Spots, Aircraft Spots, all one word, that's their handle, on Twitter, 
which they do an amazing job of tracking a lot of this activity in real time. So they'll post from their flight tracking software the type of plane, where it's located, so you can see the plane in proximity to uh, Taiwan, for instance, or wherever the location might be. They really track military aircraft and other interesting aircraft uh, occurrences all over the world. So they're really fun to watch. I highly recommend you follow them to get the latest uh, military activity that is going on around the world from an aircraft point of view, of course. So give them a follow, Aircraft Spots on Twitter. What would you think of a Bigfoot hunting season? Well, from KGAB in Oklahoma, a Southeast Oklahoma state representative has introduced a bill to create a Bigfoot hunting season in the Sooner State. And I don't mean hunting like searching for, I mean sport hunting with your rifle. You know, people are upset that say this is not important legislation, but I think that it is important legislation. District 19 Rep Justin Humphrey said, his district, which includes parts of Atoka, Bryan, Choctaw, and Pushmataha counties, are famous for its Bigfoot sightings. This area is really well known for sightings and people who really believe that they have seen Bigfoot, Humphrey said. There is even an annual Bigfoot festival in Honabaya every October, although last year's was cancelled due to the pandemic. So what we wanted to do is promote our area and we wanted to promote that festival, Humphrey said. Humphrey wants to have a month-long season starting September 1st, set by the Oklahoma Wildlife Commission, who would then create any necessary specific hunting licenses and fees. Well, there are a lot of people who are really passionate about Bigfoot and passionate and believe that Bigfoot is real and Bigfoot is out there, and we want to provide those people the opportunity to come to southeastern Oklahoma, see our beautiful country there, see the area, and enjoy and get out in the woods and have a good time, Humphrey said. Humphrey says he's in the woods all the time, but has only come across a bear. He said, Sasquatch enthusiasts need not worry. Nobody is wanting to kill Bigfoot, so we are going to definitely make sure that there is language in there, Humphrey said. And he hopes to get a bounty passed so that if anybody catches and traps a Bigfoot, a $25,000 cash prize would be rewarded. If passed into law, the bill would take effect November 1st, but the Oklahoma legislature would have to approve it first. Their session begins February 1st. Humphrey's aim is to make his district a tourist attraction, bringing in visitors and revenue to southeastern Oklahoma, even if those hunts come up empty. Quote, our intent is to get people out in the woods and have a good time and experience nature and experience just the joy of getting out and having a good time looking for something like Bigfoot. Of course, this article doesn't discuss the backlash this proposed legislation has caused Mr. Humphrey, according to an interview he did with TMZ, saying he's been flooded with calls, emails, and Facebook notifications from Bigfoot deniers calling him a, quote, idiot and cussing him out. He says folks are telling him that they'll never vote for him, and they're going to make sure he loses his next election. And lastly, just a reminder on some upcoming space-related news for February, we have the triple conjunction of Mercury, Jupiter, and Saturn. It's your last chance to see that on February 13th. It originally occurred earlier in January, but uh, it's happening again in the middle of the month. So February 13th, go out, take a look, and hopefully you can spot it. And don't forget on the 18th, the Mars rover Perseverance and its companion Heladrone Ingenuity will be touching down on Mars. So hopefully we'll be able to see that live through NASA. And fingers crossed, it is a success. I really, really hope, because I would love to see what sort of science comes out of that mission. And of course, I mean, the coolness of a drone on Mars. That'll be really fun to watch. Well, that's it. That's all I've got for this week. Don't forget to reach out if you see something unusual in the sky or someplace else. Or if you have an interesting story to tell. 
You can call our hotline at 818-570-0126 or find us at www.theparachronicle.com. Please like or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on or pass this podcast on to spread the word about our little show and help us grow. And until next time, keep your eyes to the sky and know that here on Earth and in the universe, we are not alone. For the Parachronicle Almanac, I'm Jonathan Hawk. <laughs>